Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good week? The weather is pretty nice. This is why people live in Florida right now. If you got any complaints, I don't know what to tell you. Wait till next week. We'll be back up hot again. You'll be complaining about that. So, anyways. Um, well, my name is Matt. If you are new here, we want to welcome you uh, to Grace Orlando, and we're so glad that you came this morning. Um, if you're watching with us online, thank you for being with us this morning. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how your weather is doing wherever you're at today, and we will tell you. What, what, what temperature are we at right now? 73? It's on our phones. I mean, we got it made. What else could we ask for? Just open the doors, y'all. We're good to go. Um, anyways, hasn't this been a great series? Have you guys enjoyed this so far? Yeah. Right? I know I have enjoyed it. Um, been learning a lot. Uh, every week, every speaker, I've really enjoyed each one. And uh, we've been talking about growing gracefully. And we have one more week. Can you guys make it one more week next week? That's it? I know. I can't keep it going. We're just going to have to change subjects at some point. But uh, So next week is our final week. Last time I talked, it was a couple weeks ago, and uh, I, I kind of opened up about how the greater church loves to talk about growth. Wouldn't you agree? Most of the church, if you, if you look up on YouTube, if you Google all of the topics about growing or growth, you'll find five ways to grow, you'll fi find five ways to not grow, you'll find uh, just any topic on growth and spirituality, you, you can find it, there's a plethora of it. Um, growing gracefully here at our church is definitely the end goal, it's the main goal that we have here. We want people to grow, and we want them to grow gracefully, and um, I asked the question if anybody has ever had a remodel project. I don't know if you guys have ever had any remodel projects at your house where you had somebody else do the remodeling and it didn't turn out how you hoped, right? Didn't go the way you planned. And when you came home, something was not, something was aloof, right? You're like, why did this go the way that it did? And I explained on the contractor side of it, that I did a little contractor contracting for a little while, um, that typically it was because they had forgotten a tool that they needed. And we kind of went through a list of tools as to how that went. Um, in church, some of us weren't given the right tools for growth. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, to grow gracefully, we have to have the proper tools. This week, I want to go through the necessary tools that we need in order to grow gracefully. If you guys remember last time I went through the unnecessary, we're going to go through the necessary tools to grow gracefully. And unfortunately, the tool uh, level is a little bit higher than even last time. I know you're going to be shocked by that. So if you guys can hang in there with me, we're going to get our necessary tools to grow gracefully. All right, the first necessary tool to grow gracefully gonna wear me out to get this tool out, but let's see. I think it's this way. Yeah, there we go. All right. Does anybody know what this is? Huh? What is this? It's a jack. So when people say you don't know jack, now you do. All right. And you might think right now, some of you are thinking, 
on a construction site, what would you need a jack for? That doesn't make any sense. I don't really see why you would need that. Um, there was this uh, one house, I could not tell you the town, Ruthie could probably tell you the town, uh, it was a town in Ohio where um, the only thing in the entire t town was a candy store. Do you remember what town I'm talking about, Ruthie? I don't even know what it was called. But it only had a candy store. And uh, no gas station, no grocery store, just this massive candy store that everybody drove to in Ohio for the candy. Some of you guys can tell me what it is after. So when I went there, um, across the street was this house we were supposed to fix up. And when we walked into the house, everything looked kind of normal, except in the middle of the room, all of the rugs or the carpet that was in the middle, it kind of went down a little bit. And I thought, that's kind of strange. And what we realized is that all of the floor joists had completely fallen to the ground throughout the whole house. And so what did we do as contractors? We jumped through the whole house like a trampoline for about a half an hour trying to enjoy the built-in trampolines that there was there, right? And uh, until a couple guys kind of fell through and then we thought, let's stop before somebody gets hurt. Um, but in that house, what we figured out that we need to do is we actually need to get a jack and we need to jack up the foundation to the proper level. We get some joist hangers and we screwed in the joist hangers to where all of the foundation was where it was supposed to be. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 and 4, we're going to read 1 and 4, the middle I'm not going to go through this week, um, but verse 1, it says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. Skip over to verse 4. It says, for when you divide yourselves up into groups, a Paul group and an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. You're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. I believe if we desire to grow and to mature, to grow gracefully, we have to continue to lift up Jesus, right? That's why here at this church, you might be wondering why there's so many people that speak. Why is there a shared stage? It's why we've adopted this model here. Because that's something we want to practice is not lifting any one person up. Okay? In fact, Gabe and I have a constant joke. Anytime anybody gets puffed up, we help to bring them to the proper and appropriate <laughs> level. Right? I actually have personal reasons. I'm going to share those personal reasons with you why I believe we will continue to have a shared stage here. Okay? I know you usually do this in a vision meeting and all that, but I felt like it was appropriate for this week. Uh, my personal reasons why we have a shared stage is I don't have that much to say. <laughs> I know you might be shocked by that, but it takes a ton of work for me to have all of these opinions about these things. It does. It really does. And sometimes I'm just like, could we just go live these things? It's just my style. And so I don't really have, personally, I don't have that much to say about all of these things. Another reason why we have a shared stage is because we like to show that all of us, all of us are as close to God as any person standing on the stage. All of us are. I love hearing the stories about what God is doing in your life and what he's showing you. There's also no room for arrogance. <laughs> I might naturally be somewhat of an arrogant person. You could ask my wife. <laughs> I might naturally be that way. And so for me to be up here and giving you the oracles of God, it's good to not provide any opportunity for arrogance for anybody. Uh, also, it's fun. 
It is fun to have multiple speakers. It's fun to share the stage. Uh, Ruthie says a lot, she says that um, variety is the spice of life, right? And I believe when there's variety, it makes things interesting. You get to hear different perspectives, even if you don't agree. Even if you go away and you think, I don't like anything that that person said. Guess what? That's variety. You get to learn what other people have to say. Also, it's rare. I love that it's rare. We don't, you could go to all sorts of churches and what they do is they, they have the man that they put up front. The man, the pastor. He's our covering. He's our shepherd. No, sir. No, sir. That's not for me. <laughs> it prevents us from people worship. That's why we have a shared stage. It prevents us from having people worship. When we don't worship people, we will grow gracefully. We will. Because you'll learn that God will speak to you and he'll teach you things that I can't even tell you. Um, I, I, I found a post uh, from Escape to Reality that I'm going to read with y'all. I think it's going to be on the screen. Paul Ellis, if you don't know who that is, he's got a great website called Escape to Reality. He made this post. I think it was on Instagram or Facebook this week. It was great. It says, many pastors feel utterly drained from ministering to the sheep. This is because of the top-down model of ministry requires constant monitoring and control. It's exhausting no one can mind the sheep as well as the good shepherd. If only there was a better way. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 24 and 25. It says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. There should be no division, says Paul, no clergy, no laity distinction, and no distinction for gender or race. Each part should have an equal concern for one another. I love hearing about how you guys are checking on each other and you're starting small groups and people are like, well, what's the requirement to start a small group? Don't be weird. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot more to say than that. That's why we don't do vision meetings that often, because I say things like that. But <laughs> Paul is describing a partnership or fellowship where each member is a blessing to the other members. Just as there is no division in a body with some parts more important than others, there should be no division in the church. Each member belongs to all the others. It is unbiblical to say that some rank higher than others or that men have spiritual authority over women. If the great apostle Paul refused to let others put him on a pedestal, we should be just as reluctant to elevate any man into a position of headship. Let Christ alone be the head of his church, the only husband of his bride. Amen. Right? Agree or disagree, but we will mature if we do not lift any man up, but reminding ourselves that Jesus is our foundation. The second necessary tool, you guys still in there? You still hanging out? All right, let me see. I can even find it in here. It's getting kind of, here we go. Second necessary tool. Does anybody know what this is? It is a face mask, a paint mask, right? I don't have all of the filtering on here, but you get the idea. And I told this story, I don't know, it was like a couple months back, um, but there was this one house that we had to paint, and I was kind of new at painting. I knew how to 
uh, do regular spray painting, but as far as um, <laughs> this new idea that if my father-in-law is watching, this was, was his encouragement to us, okay? And if, if any of you know the product called Kills, okay? Kills is something that you roll onto walls. Uh, you're supposed to have lots of ventilation. It covers up mold and all sorts of things. So I was sent in this property, and my father-in-law wanted me to get it done quickly, okay? And he says, you should spray Kills in this house, and I was like, well, that sounds pretty fast. Let me try that. So I took some teenagers from the youth group in. <laughs> and we put these masks on, right? But I mean, like, again, I'd never really, I'd never used these filters, didn't know anything. So we start spraying, okay? And as I'm going, I noticed how heavy the sprayer was getting within two minutes. I'm like, why is the sprayer getting so heavy? One of the guys ran out of the room. He said he couldn't breathe. And I was like, well, that's weird. Let me just keep painting. <laughs> Another minute went by. Okay, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired. I don't know why. Turn around, and the one kid that stayed in the room had the roller this close to his face, and he's just staring at it. <laughs> right? The other guy, thankfully, came in and grabbed us both and pulled us out and showed me that we had no filters on our masks. So we laid in the yard for about two hours till it all wore off. <laughs> I will tell you, I became very famous at the youth group. All the kids wanted to paint with me after that, and I don't know why. <laughs> but the truth is, we didn't know the importance of filters. We didn't know that how dangerous it actually was to not be filtering, right? And my encouragement to you is learn to filter pro popular preachers that don't focus on the new covenant. I'm going to read to you uh, a portion of scripture and then I'll, I'll go back to it. But 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. For years, I listened to the latest and greatest. Okay? I believed they kept me relevant. But the danger of not filtering is, isn't worth being relevant. Popular preachers can actually keep you immature. And the reason why we have to filter is those voices are still teaching us to use the unnecessary tools. If you guys can remember, right? They're still teaching us because they're, they're still mixing the old and new covenant. They're still teaching things that Jesus said as things we need to live by. They're still teaching, even in the epistles, there are scriptures that you probably don't necessarily need to leave, live by because they're talking to a group of people that weren't operating under the, old or under the new covenant. They were still operating under the old covenant. So he was trying to relate to them. So you'll still hear preachers saying these things. You'll still hear preachers saying that we got to press in you got to press into God's presence. You got to move in. You got to pray in. You got to fast into the presence of God. Right? They're still operating under the old tools. They're still telling us, if you guys can remember, they're still telling us that we need to cut things out of our life. I'm not going to start it again this year. I know. I can see the eyes get bigger. <laughs> we need to cut things out of our life. There's something wrong with you. You got to get that thing fixed. There's things in your life you got to work that. You know why God's not doing that thing? It's because you haven't cut that thing out of your life. And you'll hear that popular preacher saying these things. They're still teaching out of the old covenant.
even revivals, nothing against revivals, okay? Not gonna harp on revivals, but there are some revivals you probably need to be careful about. Okay, if you ever look up uh, the Brownsville revival, even though there were some good things that happened out of it, if you look up, it's all over YouTube. That is the most mixture, some of the things that were so condemning that came out of that. Was it, was it popular? It was absolutely popular. Did it draw a big crowd? Absolutely it drew a big crowd. Did it seem like there was movement because things were happening? All of those tools right there, they, it seems like there's movement. It doesn't mean they're the right tool to be able to grow gracefully though. It's deceiving because they're entertaining and it seems as though there's movement or growth but we want to grow in a healthy way. Don't pick back up the old tools. Look at the rest of that scripture, verse six. It says, our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. Some of these preachers can bring us back under bondage because all they're gonna do is tell you to bring out all the unnecessary tools for growth. Filtering causes you and I to grow gracefully. The third necessary tool, the third necessary tool. You guys are starting to lose track, aren't you? Me too, yeah, I get it. The third necessary tool, does anybody know what this is? What? Welding mask, good job, way to go. Right, I can't put this on, possibly because my head's too big. These are like welding glasses. It's interesting. These are auto, auto tinting, right? But these glasses, I don't know if you've ever worn a welding mask or glasses, but you can only see the light when you have these things on, okay? You can only see just light when you have, that's why, that's why they use it because that's all you can focus on. In other words, it, fixate, it fixates your eyes on the light, Okay, John 8, 1 through 11. I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. I know we've all heard this story, but I think it really applies. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him, saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down. I love this because he's just driving them crazy, right? He's taking his time. He stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stooped down again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, he said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, three things that Jesus did not say to those Pharisees in response to that, right? When they said, look, what are you going to do about this? He didn't say, oh my God, you're right, she's a sinner. He didn't respond in that way. 
like Alan said last week, nothing really catches God by surprise, right? The second thing Jesus didn't say in that moment is, do you have a repentant heart? He didn't want to make sure, man, this forgiveness can't really happen unless you repent. And the third thing he didn't say is, don't focus on your sin, focus on me. He didn't say that. What he did was he was wearing the eyes of, or the, the glasses of no condemnation. And all he could do was he could just see the light in her. And then it says, at the end, it says, go and sin no more. Now, I've talked about this before. I'm going to re-talk about it again. But to me, the go and sin no more, you could say, well, what he's, what he's doing there is he's telling her not to sin anymore. And if that were the case, then what good did he do different than the Pharisees? But I believe he was setting her up to know that I've forgiven your past, present, and future. Go as if sin has no hold on you anymore. Go with no condemnation. In other words, he took the glasses from himself, what he was seeing, and said, I want you to begin to go and see yourself the same way I do. Another similar story, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story uh, about Peter. We all know Peter. And Peter uh, was with Jesus, and Jesus was teaching the crowd. And it got a little crowded, and so he decided to get onto the boat and teach them, right? I love it because it's kind of showing Jesus' introvertness a little bit. He's like, all right, I'm going to get on the boat, and I'm going to talk to the crowd still, okay? Then he gets tired of talking to the crowd, and he says, you know what? I, l- let's go fishing, I'm like, that's kind of the level of how introverts work. It's like, all right, I've had enough. Let me just go hide, okay? So he looks at Peter, and he said, Peter, let's go fishing. And if you know anything about fishing, you listen to the people that have fished that morning, and Peter said, it's not a good idea. Let's not go fishing. And he said, let's go fishing. So they got on the boats. They went out. When they got out there, they started to catch a massive amount of fish, okay? We pick up in verse 7, Luke 5 Verse 7, it says, they waved to their business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling the boats with fish until they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonished miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. I love this next part. It says, Peter and the other fishermen, including the fishing partners, Jacob, John, and the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered, do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter, for now on you will catch men for salvation. And what I want to show you there is that in that moment, it took a minute for Peter to grow gracefully. Why? Because he saw him himself as a sinful man. And in that response, Jesus said, no, not only do I not see you the way that you're seeing yourself, one day you're going to go catch people just like I am with you right now. And what do we know about Peter is that eventually, right, Peter led in one single day 3,000 people to the Lord. Talk about a big catch. Some translations say it was 10,000 people, right? Romans 4.8 It says, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. My question today is, do you know that God doesn't take your sin into account? Do you see yourself the way God does? 
Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. It's easy to see the negative in yourself. It's easy to see the negative in other people. Wouldn't you agree? Like, I mean, that's what, most of the time when you hear people talking, they're talking about other people and all the negative things they see. And I want you to know, it's easy to see the negative. It takes focus to see the light in people. Okay, but Jesus is saying, this is how you live your life. This is how you grow gracefully. As you look at people and all you see is light. This last tool is probably the most important tool. And you're going to kind of think it's ridiculous, I know. Get out of the way. What do you think about that? That's a pretty cool tool, right? Now, I didn't learn about this tool till I would say five years in. And I was working with uh, my wife's uncle, and he went to, out to his truck at lunchtime and pulled out this chair. And I thought, that is genius. Because if you've ever been to the construction site, anytime you've ever been there, what happens is, is you usually tear everything out and there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> Right? And so the chair is to rest. Hebrews 4.10, it says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from him, from his. It's the strangest tool ever. I get it. And in fact, for years, anytime I would ever hear about resting in God, I thought that was strange. I was like, okay, I get it. We rest in God. I've told this story before, I'm going to tell it again. Uh, there was this group of uh, guys that came out from IHOP, which that's a whole other story, right? Um, to come work for uh, the family business. And, and in trade, we would let them stay at one of the house, and then we paid them by the hour. And I was responsible for making sure that this crew was doing all that they were supposed to do. And when I went to go check on them, they weren't there. So I went back to the house where they were staying. This is about 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. in the morning, okay? And their door was kind of cracked, so I kind of opened it up. And I could hear them, like, praying and weeping and wailing and saying all sorts of crazy things. And I was like, well, I'm going to go back to the house that they're supposed to be at. I'm going to sit. <laughs> And so I went back, and could you imagine how uncomfortable that was? It gets to be about 12 o'clock, and they show up to the house that they're supposed to be working at. And I said, hey, where are you guys at? And they're like, well, we, we believe that Peter saw his shadow from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., and so we decided that we're going to rest during that time. And I said, well, I don't really care what time Peter saw his shadow. I need you to work from 9 to 5 and there's no resting during that time, right? And I thought it was just, I thought it was strange, this conversation about resting in God. I would hear, you gotta rest in God, you gotta rest in Him. I would think, yes, we need to take more rest. We need to take a break. We need to relax on Sunday. We need to take vacations. We need to be careful not to do anything on Sunday. That was a big rule of mine. Don't do anything on Sunday, don't do anything. You need to rest. But I was turning resting into work. And I believe that that's what these guys were doing as well. They were taking resting and making it into a work. I'm gonna read that to you again. Hebrews 4.10, it says, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works 
just as God did from his, right? It said resting from their works. It didn't say resting from work. <laughs> like you still gotta have a job and you still gotta work, okay? But works. And this verse is reminding the Hebrew people that once they enter into the rest, which we've entered into the rest, I don't know if you realize that, if you've accepted Jesus, if you know him, you've entered into his rest. That once you do that, you don't have to strive anymore. There's no striving. Resting in God is actually the most important tool for growth. So I showed you all these tools, but this is actually the most important tool. You might say, why? Why is that? I'm gonna show you. It's because we can't finish what he finished. We can't actually finish what he did. And I'm gonna to read to you in Galatians as I'm sitting here resting with y'all. But Galatians 3, one through three, this is pretty harsh words. And Paul didn't use a lot of harsh words, but here he does. Galatians 3, one through three, it says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He answers it for him. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And I want to encourage you guys today. Some of you guys need to rest for a year. <laughs> and you're like, what? What do, you, what do I need to rest from? I, things that I would probably never have said about 10 years ago. Some of you need to rest from your Bible studying, right? You worship the Bible. You worship it. It was never intended to worship. I think about this all the time, right? Like, what did the disciples do? They didn't have the word of God to spend time with God. They just spent time with God. They had already had their time. Some of you need to rest from praying so much. Like, there's these routines that you have, and you're like, man, if I don't pray at this time, from this time, it's over. Some of you need to rest from worrying about what God thinks. You need to rest in the fact that he loves you right where you're at. Nothing that you could do could impress him. Um, I'm gonna tell this story. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because I, I used to hear it spun the other way, but how many of you guys know the story about um, the monkey that uh, had the trap and he put his hand and grabbed the ball and then the hunter came and killed the the monkey, right? Do you remember any of that story? If not, it's kind of a dark story, but it's what they did in South America or whatever. But I used to hear that story all through youth group, right? That the hunter came to kill the monkey. And the reason why is the monkey would put his hand in a trap and he would grab the ball and he wouldn't let the ball go. Wouldn't let it go. Okay. And they would say, well, that's sin. You got to let go of that sin or it's going to kill you. Yeah, you got to let go or that sin is going to kill you. I believe that the ball is actually resting from works. I believe that the ball is works. I believe that what can kill you 
is thinking that you can work to earn. And you might think, oh, that just seems so easy, Matt. It's not easy. It's not easy. I have friends, I have people that I know that, man, they experienced the goodness of God. They experienced his grace. It changed their life, but they reverted back to a works mentality. Why? Because of what Jesus was talking to Peter about, which was fear. They were afraid. And how many of you ever been afraid? I've been afraid. <laughs> I've been afraid. You think, well, if I don't do anything, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you don't do anything. I'm busier than I ever have in my whole life. But what I've realized is that I can't do anything to please him. He's already pleased. <laughs> and if you let go of the ball, you'll live. You'll enjoy. You'll enjoy who he is. You'll enjoy who he's made you to be. You'll enjoy how much he loves you. But as long as you're trying to please and then you'll think, oh, maybe I displeased and no, I pleased. And you're not in that game anymore. You got to let go and just rest, rest, rest from all your work. <laughs> Amen. Let me pray over you guys. And uh, we got one more week next week. It's going to be fun. Um, gonna be a little different, so, um, but we'll have a good time. Make sure to bring some friends. And uh, if you need to get caught up on some of the things we talked about, all of the, the series is on online. It's, it's been a great series, and uh, we're so thankful that you're here, thankful that you're receiving and uh, getting to know who God is. I know, I'll, I'll tell you what, this resting conversation is one that I don't know a whole lot about because I just try to live in that constantly. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than just chill out. This is a funny thing, but even in the stress of not talking about God, I used to do that religiously where I felt like I had to talk about God all the time or he wasn't gonna be happy with me. You don't even have to talk about him all the time. He's not stressed out if he's not in the room. He loves you. He loves whatever you're doing in the moment. He loves what you're thinking about. He loves what you're going through. He's there and he's helping you and he's just, he's like, chill, relax. That's my encouragement for you today. Chill out. Amen? Let me pray over you guys. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you, God. You just continue to open our eyes to your goodness. You continue to open our eyes to who you are. Help us to continue, God, to relax in who you are and who you've made us. Help us to not think that there's something wrong with us and that we gotta change everything about us for you to be pleased. You're pleased with us right where we are. We thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.